Well, hello everyone. Hope your first week of Level 3 has gone really well. Uh, there's a few construction sites around where we live and I've been hearing lots of sawing and hammering going on, which is really fantastic to, to hear as um, lots of things are sort of opening up for our economy, which is brilliant. Um, I also noticed a few pictures on uh, being posted on Facebook and uh, where people have been enjoying their favorite takeaways. Um, one family I saw posting on Facebook, they had an entire McDonald's breakfast and then that evening they had a massive feed of KFC. So I'm not sure if that's a, a reflection of their cooking skills in the family or, um, you know, and I hope the following day wasn't full of regret for them. So anyway, it's my um, privilege to share with you today. And um, in fact, I want to continue to share or expand on a devotional that I did, which was posted on Facebook back in April 24th. And it was a pretty full on devotional. Um, there was a lot in there. It was pretty intense. I realized it was pretty full on. And so today I want to use that devotional as a bit of a launch pad, uh, a bit of a, um, a place to explore from, to, to take it a little bit further on some, um, some of the things I mentioned. Also, if you didn't happen to have a chance to catch that devotional, you can go to the Liberty Facebook page and scroll down to April 24th and you'll see it posted there. Um, and if you haven't seen the devotional or maybe you don't even want to, um, that's fine. You'll be able to track with what I've got to share with um, today. Uh, no problems at all. So uh, let's begin, shall we? Um, and I want to begin in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus begins to prepare his disciples for the coming events of not only his departure, but Jesus was specifically sharing about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the role the Holy Spirit was going to have on the earth. And the Holy Spirit had been sent um, on a co-mission, a co-mission with us to, to, to work in believers and work through believers and, and the, job, the role of the Holy Spirit would be to challenge the world on three things, which was sin, that humanity had missed the mark of what it really means to be human, on justice, that the form of justice or the way uh, that heaven applies justice is different to the way the world sees it or applies it, and also to let the world know that the enemy has been judged and freedom is available in Christ Jesus. All great things. And so when we understand the role the Holy Spirit has, we understand that the, the commission that we are on to, to be a people who challenge the world to think differently, to think differently about God, to think differently about themselves, to think differently about others, to, to be a people who love justice and truth and have a high value for freedom. And this is the way that God has actually chosen to bring heaven to earth. He brings heaven to earth through his spirit and through his people, all in the name of Jesus. And those are great thoughts. Actually, in the, in the book of John, one of the key things um, is actually justice. And this whole idea of justice to me is absolutely fascinating. Uh, it's, it's challenging um, because um, it really it influences the way that we live. Our view on justice will shape the way that we live. See, all of us have been born into a world that has a definition of what justice is and what it looks like. But the world justice system does not always align with the justice of God. Often justice in the world is driven by punishment, whereas the justice of God is always driven by restoration or the, the idea of making things right. 
John 3.16, probably one of the most um, well-known verses uh, worldwide, actually, in Scripture, says, For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. It's a great verse, but it doesn't end there. It continues on to say that Jesus did not just come into the world to Jesus did not come into the world to judge the world, but to bring light. And that light shines on the hearts of people, revealing and exposing. Why? So that people can freely make a decision to turn towards the light to put their trust in Jesus, where there is no judgment, there is no condemnation, there is no fear. And as John 5 says, the reward, the resurrection of eternal life. This is the plan being worked out in Jesus, the new creation, the putting of all things right. And unfortunately, it says in John also that some will, uh, when the light comes, some will actually turn from the light for fear of what is being exposed. And it says for those that turn away from the light, they actually bring a judgment onto themselves. They judge themselves. They've already received their sentence. They've chosen the outcome that they desire. Another great uh, bit of scripture, Psalm 72, is um, this, the Psalm 72 is pretty neat. It's a prophetic song about Jesus, actually. It's a, it's a great prophetic song about the coming of Jesus. And the, the Psalm song um, describes a king who will judge with righteousness, who will offer justice to the afflicted. It talks about a day coming of abundant peace. Uh, no longer any more night seasons, that he would bring deliverance, that he would be moved by compassion. And at the very end of the psalm, it's really neat. It says that it ends with the whole world being filled with the glory of God. Now, this psalm adds interesting insight if we um, have a look at some of the writings of Apostle Paul, in particular Romans, and another well-known verse, Romans 3.23, where it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, this is another bit of scripture where we know the verse, but, but there's more to it, because Paul continues to write, Yet, through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness, his gift of love and favor now cascades over us. Wow. All because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. Jesus' God-given destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins. And now he is our mercy seat because of, of his death on the cross. We come to him for mercy, for God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. This is the perfect demonstration of God's justice. Wow. Because until now, he's been so patient, holding back his justice out of his tolerance for us. So he covered over the sins of those who lived prior to Jesus' sacrifice. And when the season of tolerance had come to an end, there was only one possible way for God to give away his righteousness and still be true to both his justice and his mercy. And that was to offer up his own son. So now, because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, God declares us righteous in his eyes. Man, that's so good. There's a lot there in those verses there to take away or just even to delve into. But this is all part of the gospel that, that Jesus came to the point 
Jesus came to the point of the most severe injustice that had ever taken place on the earth. The most severe injustice that had ever taken place. Where he himself, the most pure and sinless, was condemned to death on false charges. A false accusation. See, Jesus would put language to what was going to happen. When he said this in John chapter 12, verse 31 and 2, he says, from, from this moment on, everything in this world is about to change. Come on. For the ruler of this dark world will be overthrown. And I will do this when I am lifted up off the ground and when I draw the hearts of people to gather them to me. N.T. Wright on his commentary on the scripture writes, Jesus, Jesus sees that moment as the time when the dark powers will do their worst and be exhausted, so that the ultimate dark force of injustice will be overthrown and something new will come about. See, the, the justice of heaven is not driven by punishment, but driven by love. His justice is always, his justice is always this invitation into restoration. The new creation in Christ, the, the, restoration, the restoration of our, our genuine humanness, to be image bearers of God, to be in a, in a restored relationship, to be a, a people who live on target, no longer missing the mark, but people that live on target because we're liberated and we're in the glory of God. This is the new creation. Kingdom justice has been defined by the work of Jesus. It's, it's been established in his work in the flesh, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, and his enthronement. The three things that the Holy Spirit has come to challenge the world with, sin, justice, and judgment, are wrapped up completely in the victory of Jesus. And so as we, we as believers, we need to embrace a new way of thinking, a new way of thinking about what justice really looks like, um, and and it starts as an inside job. It starts with us making intentional decisions in our own thinking that will result in us relating to others in a whole new way. You know, a, a couple of years ago, um, my wife Lara was riding her bike home from work when she was hit side on by a vehicle that drove through a red light. So Lara ended up needing surgery to repair a couple of uh, number of injuries in her shoulder and not to mention, you know, the long recovery time from deep bruises and other injuries that had happened. And the police, they ended up prosecuting the driver of the vehicle um, who was found guilty of those charges and they received a punishment as set out by the New Zealand law. And all this process was independent of us. We, um, the police are the ones who laid the charges. You know, we had very little to do with the whole proceedings. But prior to the, the driver of the vehicle being sentenced, we were asked if we would participate in a process called restorative justice. And if you're not familiar with what restorative justice is, it's, a, it's an informal meeting between the victim, the offender, and any support people that you want there. It's like this opportunity for the, the offender to take responsibility for their actions, for them to understand the harm they've caused to the victim, victims, and, and also for them to apologize for their actions. Um, and there's facilitators at these meetings, and their job is to make sure that this is a safe environment for both parties. And they document the entire discussion, and they, they, they write up the, a, a summary, and they give that to the judge. 
And then the judge takes that into consideration. The outcome of this restorative justice meeting gets uh, put into consideration for the, for the sentencing that the judge will impose. And so we went along to this restorative justice meeting and um, we shared how we had forgiven the driver, um, how we held no resentment, resentment towards them. Uh, but we actually came away feeling like the driver of the vehicle, the offender, had made it all about them, actually, and the hardship they were going through, which was, I, I don't know if that's really true. It's how we came away feeling like. And I'm not saying that's what they were intentionally doing. It's just how we came away feeling. When we finally saw the report that was given to the judge from the facilitators, I was just ropeable. You know, I could I could not believe how misrepresented our statement had been. And this report, once it's given to the judge, it can't be amended. It can't be changed. What, what's been written down is what is uh, legally presented. And so I was just ropeable. I'd, I'd read it and I thought, man, it's fixed. It's in the hands of the judge. And, and it's going to have an influence on the sentencing that this person is going to receive. Not, um, and now, say so in all this, I can only share my perspective of my experience in these events. Lara has her own story of this journey. But I felt a massive injustice had taken place through this whole ordeal. Not only did I almost lose my wife to a reckless driver, the, the officer documenting, the police officer documenting and leading the case, he did a, a really bad job. There was a few things he didn't do well. You know, the restorative justice, justice people had, had misrepresented us. The, the offender had made the whole court case about their, their own hardship and had delayed proceedings all the way through. You know, the sentencing seemed really light in, in comparison to the pain, the frustration, the injuries, the surgery that my wife and our family had to go through. Do you know, it was an emotional roller coaster of events that took place over one and a half years. It took one and a half years for this process. You know, I had times of being so frustrated with it. I wanted someone to be punished, and I'm just being real and raw here. There were times where I just wanted someone to be punished. I needed someone to hurt or to feel what I was feeling sometimes. And every time we got an update about what was happening, it was like thumping your head against a brick wall. And in the meantime, Lara's in this, going through this journey of, of recovery in her body, letting her body heal. It just seemed time and time again an injustice would take place in this process. You know, and it's, when you're going through stuff like that, you're, you're really not resting in peace too well. In fact, sometimes, you know, you find yourself uh, in this this miserable comfort in being a victim and i'm not a fan of that word victim at all but but you do you find yourself in the miserable comfort of being a victim and i had to keep fighting i had to keep reminding myself that i had already chosen to forgive the driver of the vehicle and and it couldn't just be words it couldn't just be say i forgive you it had to be something that my that my heart my emotions my thinking served that very declaration of forgiveness because here's the thing emotion is a terrible measure for justice emotion is a terrible measure for justice you know love is the only true measure to set the standard of justice and god is love and and love looks like a person and his name is jesus see when we align with that justice moves from being something we demand to being something we freely offer to someone I can't take responsibility for what the offender chose to do with my offer of forgiveness, but I do know that I'm responsible for my own attitude and my own heart towards them.
And so I gave myself a challenge. I had to challenge myself on three things in particular. They were, do I, do I see the person as having value, as being created in the image of God? The other thing was, do I, do I see that person as being much loved by a good father? And thirdly, do I, do I see that person through their mistake or do I see them through their potential? Do I see them through their potential? Because these are the three things that Jesus modeled when he came in the flesh. He loved people. He valued them. He loved to show them how much the Father loved them. And he discipled. He gathered a bunch of people around him and he discipled these guys who would then go off and turn the world upside down. He believed that they could do great things and he encouraged them. And they did. They went off and they turned the world upside down, Scripture tells us. So the question is, have I allowed what Christ has done for me to be extended to others? Have I allowed what Christ has done for me to be extended to others? When we're on the victim side of injustice, it's so easy to demand punishment. And the funny thing is, when we're the ones that have caused problems, when we're the ones that have caused harm to someone else, we love for mercy to be extended to us. These are big thoughts because the justice of God is big. It's powerful. It's restorative. And it does shape the way we live if we understand the justice of God. The justice of God is all about all things being put right in Christ. I'm going to wrap this up with another story. And actually, it was an open vision that I experienced uh, many years ago. Only one of a, a couple that I've ever had in my lifetime. And um, actually, just on a bit of a side note, whenever you have an experience, a supernatural experience or an encounter, um, always measure it up. Always weigh it up. Don't believe every experience, but weigh it up. Does this look like Jesus? Does this look like the fruit of what Jesus came to do? Does it look like that the work of Jesus being outworked? Does it look like uh, the mission of the Holy Spirit? What is the fruit of this experience leading me into? Because not everything supernatural is from God. And so we need to weigh things up and actually test them and say, where does this fit in my life? What is God speaking to me? And is it from God? So I had this um, open eye vision um, one day. Basically, I was sitting on a garden bench when um, everything around me just completely different disappeared. I was sitting in a garden and it all disappeared. And it was all replaced by a different environment. And I found myself in a prison courtyard. And a man was walking past with a knife. And as he walked past with a knife, he shoved the knife into my lower part of my back really deep and hard. And he carried on walking. And in this vision, I ended up reaching around and I pulled out the knife and I was unhurt. I didn't feel anything. I pulled the knife out and I walked up to him and I said to him, hey, you forgot this. And I handed the knife back to him. And he had a total look of surprise on his face. I was completely unharmed by his actions, his, his intent to harm me, to, to cause me harm, to, to immobilize me, to cause me uh, grief was completely, um, it, it didn't happen at all. My reaction or my response was completely the opposite to what he thought was going to happen. And so he's just shocked. 
And then suddenly I found myself in a prison cell and I'm on the top bunk and, and on the ground was this, this guy, this man who had witnessed the events. He was, he was covered in tattoos and, and each one of these tattoos had represented uh, something bad that he had done in his life and he was just completely covered head to toe. He is a really big guy, you know, and this, this giant and previously violent man, you know, was on his knees and his head down and he was just crying. He was crying as he was giving his life to Jesus. And as I looked up, um, there was a row of men going out the prison cell and down the corridor. And they're all lining up to to receive Jesus. And the next thing that happened is I, I saw a bird's eye view of the entire prison. In this amazing sense that everyone there had had an encounter with Jesus. Wow. And then short moment after that, you know, poof, that entire scene was gone. I was back in the on the garden bench in the garden. It's actually only as I was preparing these thoughts around justice for, for today's message that I was actually reminded of this experience that I'd had. Um, how powerful is it when when we respond from the father's heart as opposed to feeling like we're victims of others? It provides opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work through us. Yes, in those times, the Holy Spirit is definitely working in us, but he's also working through us and he does amazing things. And I'm not saying that that's always an easy thing to do. I'm not saying it, it's, it's always an easy decision to make. You know, life is full of things that happen. Some, some, are, um, things, some things that happen in life are good. Some are bad. Some are absolutely terrible. Humanity has the capacity to do incredibly cruel things. But here's the thing. Humanity also has the capacity to love as we've been loved. We actually have the capacity to love radically to as we are captivated by how we're loved by God. We're able to also love in that way. When we choose to be people of justice. It means that we're choosing to be people who are governed by love and are led by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, led by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We become a people who don't react, and I think this is important. We become a people who don't react to an injustice. We become a people who respond from love with wisdom to bring true justice. Remember, the enemy's already been judged by Jesus himself, and we're in the people business, and it's the business of restoration. After his resurrection, uh, Jesus says in John chapter 20, verse 21, and he says this to his disciples. He says, as the Father has sent me, I, I also send you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he breathes on them. And after he breathes on them, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. See, the mission that we're on is a co-mission with the Holy Spirit. We're called to be people of radical justice, people of radical justice, and it's outworked with our co-labor with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray, shall we? Why don't you just um, put out your hands to, uh, not for any particular reason, it's actually just, you know, positioning yourself. Shut your eyes and just for a moment, just really choose to be so aware of the Father's presence around you. Just choose to be so aware of the Father's presence around you. Choose to be so aware of Jesus. 
being with you right now. And to be so aware of the Holy Spirit who indwells you and is on you, who is working in you and working through you. Just choose to be so aware of how close he is right now. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're so close. Father, I just thank you for your your great love towards us. Your love revealed to us in in the flesh of Jesus. We just thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your victory on the cross. Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that, that you've come to, to work in us, to transform us, but you'll also come to commission on a commission with us to work through us. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would become so real and tangible to those that are hearing this right now. And that this connection, that this relationship would deepen, that we would be so aware of your voice. We would be so aware of the Father's heart. We would so be aware of our identity in Christ. That we would become so aware of how blessed we are in Christ so that we can be a blessing to others. Thank you that though you're working in us, you're working also through us. That you bring heaven to earth. <laughs> that you're restoring in the name of Jesus. Right now you're restoring hearts. If you need healing in your body right now, just receive it. If there's someone in your household that needs healing right now, just pray over them. To clear healing for them. There's relationships being restored. I feel like someone's got a cousin who's in a, got a difficult relationship, a cousin with a difficult relationship in their marriage. Right now we just speak peace into that marriage and restoration. Restoration, an encounter with Jesus in Jesus' name. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow. (laughs) Well, I'm going to carry on enjoying this presence of God. And um, he's so good. I love just when you take that minute to just be aware of him. It's it's captivating. Um, Yeah, so that's it from me. I hope I've left you something to chew on, some thoughts to think about and process. And, you know, just God bless you. Take care, and I'll see you all again really soon.